0: Thanks for joining us for TCC at Home. Uh, To my church family, uh, good to be with you. To any of our guests, thank you. Uh, for joining us uh, I do hope that you'll let us know that you joined us today so that we can follow up with you now, well today we uh, are pushing pause on our sermon series in the book of Ephesians uh, to dive into the book of Psalms um, and uh, the book of Psalms is a favorite for for many people um, and uh, it's it's a favorite for a lot of different reasons but uh, one of the, the reasons that we're going to be looking at Psalms uh, the book of Psalms over these next few weeks is is to help us us, think and feel with God. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, <clears throat> a few a few weeks back, as and really on a regular basis, as we've been talking about uh, how we're. Processing through everything with this pandemic and all the different dynamics related to it, and and one of the things that uh, comes up regularly is just how people are processing different feelings, different emotions. Uh, you know, as I um, uh, have conversations and I'm catching up with people, I often ask or I am asked this question: How are you feeling? Uh, you've been asked that question. Uh, I'm really grateful uh, for people who have asked me that question and who desire uh, to hear my answer uh, because uh, it's an important one because we're all feeling a lot. We're all experiencing a lot. And the more we experience, the more we feel. Um, but a follow-up question, uh, two follow-up questions that tie into what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks is would be this. How are you feeling about what you're feeling? And I you may think, like, you know, hold up here, there's some kind of double layer of inception. what are you What are you talking about? You know? Uh, how are you feeling about what you're feeling? I, I think one of the uh, the things that's so important for us to address as as believers, as we talk about our emotions, as we talk about our feelings, is often uh, we have mixed emotions about that. We we have mixed emotions about whether or not we really should dive in and talk about our feelings, or whether we should kind of keep it, keep cool and a little bit more reserved. And and we struggle uh, with with our own sentiment uh, about addressing our feelings. We're going to talk about some of the errors that uh, that we face when we do so. But but I also want us to think about how we're thinking about our feelings? Are we thinking rightly about responding to the different feelings that we're experiencing, the different emotions that we're facing? I'm using those two terms synonymously throughout um, as we talk about feelings and emotions. How are we thinking and feeling in the midst of what we're facing? Uh, And not only just thinking and feeling, but are we thinking and feeling with God? before god in light of god's word in a way that would honor god it it really is astounding all that we are experiencing right now a global pandemic social unrest racial injustice economic pain uh, relational strains loneliness personal disappointment and frustration and in the midst of all of these experiences we're dealing with anger and sadness and loneliness and grief and shame and guilt and all of these different emotions, all of these different feelings. And how are we engaging them? How are we responding? What are these feelings and emotions telling us about ourselves? Uh, How are they uh, informing the way we think about ourselves or the way that we think about God or the way that we think about what's going on around us? Preacher of old, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, I suppose that one of the greatest problems in our life is the right handling of feelings and emotions. Oh, the havoc that is wrought and the tragedy, the misery and the wretchedness that are found in the world simply because we do not know how to handle our own feelings. That's quite the sentiment. Um, and, And I think it's true. We go about life not often handling our own feelings well. I, I think um, if we are to be honest, we cannot be spiritually mature if we remain emotionally unhealthy. We can't be spiritually mature if we remain emotionally unhealthy. We have to learn to think rightly about our feelings and we have to learn to feel in a way that honors God and and really more than learning how to feel it's about engaging our feelings our emotions in a way that honors God you see the truth is uh, God gave us feelings we are emotional beings this is essential to who we are as being made in the image of God and, and often in Western Christianity, uh, influenced by the enlightenment and with a little bit of a, a touch of stoicism, we don't like to think or talk about our feelings. We don't wanna deal with our emotions. Instead, uh, we begin to, to see emotions uh, as kind of dangerous or, or emotions as something that, that we need to suppress. What we really should be doing and seeing is that God has given us emotions and they're woven into the fabric of who we are as people made in his image. Author Chip Dodd says feelings are ultimately tools that we've been given to live fully in a tragic place where wonder and tragedy, great loves and great losses intermingle. I love that, listen to that again, that feelings are ultimately tools that God has given us to live fully in a tragic place, in a place where wonder and tragedy, where great loves and great losses intermingle. That's life. Great wonder uh, and great uh, tragedy. Great loves and great losses mingled together. And in the midst of this tragic place, of this tragic and fallen world, our feelings are given to us to live fully, to live in a way that reflects God and honors God. So emotions, uh, as, as we are going to talk about, uh, we're going to hone in on some specific emotions, uh, thinking about grief and thinking about anger and thinking about shame and thinking about loneliness and, and, and thinking about uh, sometimes the, the emotions that we, we often uh, really struggle with, that we struggle to think rightly about or respond rightly to. We're going to tackle those specifically, but uh, today I want us to to kind of think broadly about emotions and then uh, jump into Psalm uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 to give us a foundation for our emotional health. And so, what are emotions? Now, Uh, We could dive in and and kind of discuss how emotions are understood from a physiological perspective or they could be understood from a cognitive perspective and uh, how our bodies and uh, our minds and our experiences are uh, informing what emotions are and uh, and, and that's worthwhile, and some of you may be uh, prone to to look into those things and have uh, some insight into that. And I, I think the reality is it's it's a little bit of both, both our physiological as well as our cognitive aspects. But um, this thought has stuck out to me as I've been reading um, <clears throat> in a book called Untangling Emotions. Alistair Groves and Winston Smith said, more important to the Bible... Um, in, in relation to our emotions is not so much where our emotions come from, however, it's what our emotions do. And they lay out a few different things that our emotions do. And, and I want you to, uh, to think about this. Again, you, you may um, be kind of skeptical of, of really diving in and talking about emotions, or you may be seeing, I need all the help I can get <laughs> because I feel like my emotions are all over the place. Uh, wherever you're at, I, I want us to just try to think rightly about what our emotions do. Uh, they say that our emotions communicate value. Our emotions express the things that we love, value, and treasure. Often, whether or not we understand them or not, uh, we we can see this in anger. Often, uh, the the emotion of anger is is revealing something that we value when something is done that's wrong or something that's taken or we experience something that that emotion is is communicating value, something that you value that you love. Emotions also help us to connect. There's a very real sense when we share our emotions with others, it strengthens the relationship. Uh, I, I think one of the uh, passages in the Bible that, that we see how emotion uh, connects people together, I think of, uh, of Jesus when he goes to the tomb of Lazarus and he's there with Mary and Martha and he weeps. Um, our emotions have an ability to, to help us connect with others. It's often what forms great friendships when you've walked through and, and been able to connect uh, emotionally. Emotions can also motivate us. They give us the physical energy and motivation to, to do something. Now this can, this can happen in good and bad ways. Sometimes uh, in our shame, our shame can motivate us to do things that are unhealthy and even sinful. Sometimes our, our anger can, can motivate us to have a passion to do what's right, to fight uh, for justice, to speak uh, for what's true. Our emotions motivate us and then then our emotions have the ability to turn us toward God. Our emotions should be an expression of worship and just like they can be an expression of true worship, our emotions sometimes can be an expression of false worship. So when we think about our emotions, they have this ability to, to communicate what we value, to help us to connect. They, they can motivate. They can turn us towards God or even away from God. And so when we, when we think about our emotions and we're trying to, to make sense of, uh, of how we should understand them, I, I think there are two errors that we can make as we uh, think about our emotions. And the first is this, is when the first error we can make is when we make, when we make emotions everything. We could kind of define this as just spitting everything up, spit it up, spit up the emotions. Now, this gives you the appearance of being someone who's in tune with your emotions. However, the problem is when, when we think that uh, our emotions are, are how we feel about something is the most important thing about us. And, and we then allow our emotions to, uh, to really direct us and, and determine how we think about ourselves and even about God. This is a, an error to, to elevate our emotions to, to such a place that they're the most important thing, that they're everything. And we just, we are driven and directed by our emotions. However, uh, there's also another error that says emotions are nothing, so we suck it up. This, this gives people the appearance of, uh, of having things together and, and being in control. Uh, this is kind of the, the stoic uh, kind of mentality. But the error is that it believes that engaging or even showing emotions is wrong. Uh, th- that flies in the face of uh, the reality that our emotions are given to us by God. And, and we begin to think wrongly as Christians that, oh, well, well Christians don't feel this way. Uh, and we, we assign moral value to all of our emotions. And we, we, we suppress those things because we don't know how to deal with them. when we face anger or fear or loneliness or grief. We, we sometimes uh, are unsure of how to go to others or even to talk to God about it. So we just, we just bottle it up. And when we do this, if the error of making emotions, everything is that we allow it to, to direct us and, and, and define us. The, this error is that we would actually be cut off from the, the means that God wants uh, to use to, to work in us uh, in, in light of our emotions, we cut ourselves off from the, the fact that God has given our emotions to, to tell us something about ourselves, to, to direct us in certain ways that, that are helpful to accomplish his purpose, purposes in our life. So we want to avoid these errors of making emotions everything or making emotions nothing. And instead, we want to engage our emotions, seeing them as a gift from God that he's given us, as people made in his image to help us to live fully in this world, we want to think and feel with God. That's, that's where I want us to go in these coming weeks. And that brings us to the book of Psalms. We could talk about this from a lot of different places, but, but it's Psalms in particular that's going to help us to think and feel with God. Eugene Peterson has written on the Psalms and especially talking about prayer in the Psalms. And he says, if we wish to develop in the life of faith, to mature in our humanity and to glorify God with our entire heart, mind, soul, and strength, then the Psalms are necessary. We can't bypass the Psalms. They're God's gift to train us in prayer that is comprehensive and honest. That's what the Psalms do. And the reason uh, for this is that the Psalms Uh, are both poetry and the Psalms are prayer. You see, the Psalms are poetry, which means that they have the language that expresses the the inner feelings and longings of humanity. Um, uh, Poetry isn't just decorative language, but poetry is intensive language, personal language that reveals the heart. It's why we turn to poetry when we want to express love, when we want to express the deep feelings and longings of our hearts. It's why we turn to poetry when we write songs, that that we want to bring that out for people to hear and to see. So poetry gives us the language that expresses our inner feelings and longings, but it's prayer that gives us the language that addresses and responds to God. And that's what we see constantly throughout uh, the book of Psalms. You see, Psalms isn't primarily about our emotions. I'm not saying that. Psalms is about God. Psalms is about responding to God, but in being poetry and prayer, it gives us both the language to express our, our inner feelings and emotions, as well as the language to respond to God in a way that honors him. The Psalms teach us about God, but more importantly, they teach us how to respond to him. And it's using both that language of poetry and prayer that we learn to, to, to both think and feel with God. So look at Psalm 1 with me. What, what I want us to see as we look at Psalm 1 and 2 are two foundational uh, principles, two foundational practices uh, for our emotional health. If we truly believe that we cannot be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally unhealthy, what we need are to develop some practices that allow us to to grow emotionally healthy in the journey of becoming spiritually mature. And what Psalm 1 and 2 do so well is that they really are preparation for the book as a whole. Psalm 1 and 2 serve as an introduction, joined together to introduce the entirety of the Psalms. And in doing so, they, they give us these foundational truths that, that help shape the way we think about and engage all the other Psalms. And, and in that same vein, they are foundational to helping us think rightly about our emotional health. Psalm one says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There's a key verse, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers, but the wicked are not so. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish you see here in psalm 1 we have a contrast that david paints for us david is the author of the major of a majority of the psalms and we see that here in psalm 1 and 2 but Psalm, the book of Psalms is, is edited and put together in five different books uh, that, that really is meant to, to remind us uh, of of the Torah, of the first five books of the Bible, of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, and, and in such a way that um, that we're uh, we're we're driven to to think rightly about God's word that's been given to us, and to respond to God uh, in worship. and And here uh, David draws a contrast at the beginning of the Psalms. It's a contrast that we're going to see played out throughout the entire book. It's a contrast between two different ways: the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. In Psalm 1, we see that the way of the righteous God knows and blesses, but the way of the wicked makes no room from God, makes no room for God and will end in judgment. These two different ways set us on um, uh, two different trajectories as we uh, relate to God. But, but the question that's most pressing and most relevant for us is what separates the two ways? Obviously, righteousness and wickedness. Uh, Separates them, but but what is it that sets one on the way of the righteous? That that allows us to know that we're in that way. Well, verse two is the key. It says, "But his delight is in the law of the Lord." Verse one began with this statement: "Of blessed is the man, blessed is the man or the woman who doesn't walk in the way of the wicked, but who delights in the law of the Lord." There's the contrast, and there's the practice that follows. On his law, he meditates day and night. This is is what separates the the righteous and the wicked. It's the response to what God has said. It's it's this promise of blessing that God holds out. It doesn't define fully what it means, but it means that, that God is holding out the good life to the one who delights in his word and who who, who not only delights, but that delight leads them to meditate on it day and night. You see that first foundational principle that we see here in Psalm 1 for our emotional health is, is to be a person who meditates on God's word. Meditate on God's word. You see, I think to engage our emotions as we're going to talk about them throughout this series, we need God's word. It's foundational to live a life that honors God, we need his word. It's, it's meditating on God's word that lays a foundation to respond to all the different circumstances and emotions that life brings to us. You know, I think sometimes when we think uh, about our emotions, I, mean, I don't know if you saw that movie um, <clears throat> Inside Out that uh, had a little girl, and inside uh, her brain are these different figures that represent various emotions of anger and sadness and joy, and um, <clears throat> and it's somewhat relatable as you see it play out. And and sometimes we think that you know there's these you know these little uh, people there that are determining our emotions, and uh, and and you see that, and you're like, yeah, maybe that's relatable. Well, what what's to guide our emotions? What's to lead us as we engage our emotions? What's to help us to navigate through all the circumstances and emotions in life? Well, we need something that anchors us, and that anchor is God's Word. How do we avoid falling into the pit of making emotions everything or or believing that they're nothing? Well, we need wisdom to discern. How do we know what our emotions are communicating? How do we know if our lack of emotion, our lack of feeling in a given moment is hindering a relationship? Or do we, can we discern if we're overvaluing uh, uh, something that's leading us to feel a certain way or are we being motivated by pure desires in a given situation? Where, where have my emotions gone awry in a, in a particular conflict or, or what good thing is being communicated by um, my emotion in this moment? You see, to answer all those questions, we need something that, that grounds us, that, that anchors us. We need something outside of us. You see, there's this contrast between whose voice uh, we listen to. The contrast in verse 1 is that uh, the, the Blessed One doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. Whose voice? are you listening to? Voices that lead you astray from God? Voices that are out of sync with the word of God? Or are you coming back to the law of the Lord, the word of God, delighting in it and and meditating on it, allowing your your thoughts to be filled with God's word so that it shapes your life, including your emotions. And, And practically for us, This plays out, uh, I think, in our world today. um, We we have we have kind of an option every day. I think uh, three, maybe three things that we can fill our mind with the most. Um, It seems in quarantine, this is pretty much the only uh, three things we can uh, we can we can fill our minds with. The first is the news. You pick your outlet. But we can fill our mind with the news all day, thinking about this, thinking about that. Did you see this? Did you see that? <clears throat> the second, often tied with it, communicating the news or communicating other personal things is social media. Thinking about what's going on with others and what's going on with us and what's happening over there with them or what's, what's going on uh, with these friends or those friends. Filling our mind constantly. What's going on in the world? What's going on with the people that we know? And then there's God's word. And, and I'm not saying that these three things can't coexist, that we, you can't watch the news, enjoy social media, and take in God's word. But, but when you step back and you look at all three of these, which, which has the most prominent voice in your life? Which has the most shaping influence in the way that you think and feel uh, in a given day? We, we need God's word to be the primary shaping influence in our life. We need to meditate on God's word. We're gonna talk about what that looks like here in just a moment, but, but I want you, uh, I, I want to appeal to you based on verse three for why we should meditate on God's word. It's because it, it produces something in us. It leads to a certain outcome in verse 3, it says that the person who meditates on God's word day and night is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. See, meditating on God's word, uh, is, uh, is the outcome of it is painted in this image of a tree that's nourished because its roots run deep and are richly nourished by the stream. Of water if we we're to understand what the psalmist is saying here is the, the streams of water are the Word of God that nourish us and our life and our life is the the tree that that flourishes through all of the ups and downs that that flourishes and bears fruit in its season and doesn't wither and, and I, I thought about this you know we live here in Ann Arbor tree town Um, in this moment right now I'm camp counselor Hawthorne if you uh, if you caught uh, our camp tree town for Ann Arbor Summerfest but uh, here in the city of trees uh, there's a lot of beautiful trees Um, and when you think about a tree when you think about this image it's really striking when I think about the the biggest and the most beautiful trees I think I haven't seen them in person but I've seen them on pictures the redwoods in California maybe maybe there's some other beautiful tree that you can tell me about but when I think about those trees, they have this testimony of being strong and persevering through all kinds of things that come their way. They're, they're deeply, uh, their roots run deep and they grow up tall and, and they provide shade for the, the forest and the animals. And, and it's this beautiful thing. And, and when you think about a tree, here, here's the thought that was, was striking to me. The strongest and the most fruitful of trees endures harsh winters and scorching summers along with peaceful springs and beautiful falls. Think about that. That, that tree goes through all kinds of adversity, all kinds of harsh winters and, and those scorching summers where the days are, are hot and there's little rain, but they also experience the peaceful spring showers and the beautiful changing of the leaves in the fall. When when you think about a tree that's nourished by water, and yet it still bears fruit, year after year, it keeps growing and bearing fruit in its season. Here's what Psalm 1 is saying. Psalm 1 is saying, circumstances change, emotions will come and go, but it's God's word that nourishes and sustains all those who delight in and meditate on it. All kinds of circumstances will come and go. Our emotions and our response to those circumstances will come and go. But it's God's Word that will navigate and see us through all of those circumstances, engage all of those emotions, so that we grow strong and bear fruit and flourish. That's the picture uh, of what comes when we meditate on God's Word. That's why we need it right now in this moment in our lives when their circumstances are uh, overwhelming and the emotions come and go, and maybe it's the emotions in light of all the circumstances we're experiencing or just the emotions in in your own home, the difficult circumstances that you're facing, there in that moment, we need God's word to guide us, to shape us, to help us Tim Keller in his book, The Songs of Jesus, which is really a devotion through the Psalms, he gives three questions that we can ask that help us to meditate on the Psalms. You see, meditating is, is filling our minds with God's word and, and thinking on it until it leads to delight, until it leads us to take action we we live in a time where there's great value put upon mindfulness and and trying to center ourselves and and it can have a certain value in a certain place uh, but 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 God's word had mindfulness first. It it, it was showing us how to be centered first, not on thinking about what's inside of us, but thinking about what's outside of us and what God has communicated. And and here are the three questions that I want you to write down. And as we walk through the Psalms together over these next few weeks, I want you to practice this with me as you read the Psalms. Ask yourself as you read a Psalm, what did you learn about God for which you could praise him or thank him? Think, Think the word adore. What did you learn about God for which you could praise him or thank him for? Here, here we see the, 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 the reality that God blesses those who, who meditate on his word and he nourishes them and strengthens them. He knows our way, how, how we can praise him for that. And then we need to admit, what did we learn about ourselves for which we could repent, admi- adore, admit? Now, oh, I see how often I don't listen to God's word, but I listen to the counsel of the wicked, the the voices that lead me astray, away from God. Then think the word aspire. What did I learn about life that that I could aspire to, ask for, or act on? psalms as we meditate on them help us to adore to admit and to aspire and and as you write these things down as you reflect on these questions here's here's where meditation becomes truly powerful for us when we allow our meditation to be turned into prayer it's there that we allow god's word to shape how we think and we feel meditating on god's word does two things that i think are important it keeps it keeps god before us and it keeps our ways before god Those two things are both vital. It keeps God before us. When we are going through circumstances and facing emotions, we need God to be before us as well as to keep our ways before God. Both are vital. Meditate on God's word. It's a foundational principle for emotional health. And Psalm 2 leads us to a second foundational principle, and it's this, submit your life to Jesus, Psalm two says, "Why do the nations rage, and the people plot in vain, the kings of the earth set themselves up, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, 'Let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heaven laughs, and the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, 'As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill' I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Submit your life to Jesus. Courtney Reisig, in a really helpful book called Teach Me to Feel, um, worshiping God in every season of life, she she says it this way. She says, Psalm 1 tells us how to flourish both now and forever. By meditating on the word, we get life. Psalm 2, she says, gives us a grid for viewing the future and a hope to anchor our lives on. And that hope is that Jesus wins and he will reign forever. You see there in verses one through six, we see that God rules even in the midst of chaos. There's this, this portrait of chaos, the nations raging against God and, and his king in, in verses one through three. But then there's this contrast. And in, in here's how we see that God rules even in the midst of chaos. Even when the nations rage, God laughs in the heavens, and he holds them in derision. God is in control. God isn't thrown off by nations raging. God isn't thrown off by a world uh, being tumultuous and uh, <clears throat> by the unrest that, that we experience. God, God reigns. He's in control. He rules even in the midst of chaos. And and in Psalm 1, we get this uh, personal, individual picture of what it means to walk with God and meditate on his word. And here in Psalm 2, it zooms out and it looks at things from a wide angle across the world, the nations and the kings that rage. As powerful as the forces may be that are at work around you, God is in control. He rules even in the midst of chaos. And he rules, in particular, we see in verses 6 through 9, through his son, It says in verse six, as for me, I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Who is this king that the Lord has set on Zion? He says in verse seven, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son, and today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make you the nations, your heritage, and the ends of the earth, your possession. You see, Psalm two, verses six through nine are showing that God's king is not only king over Israel, but he's king over the nations, God's king is the fulfillment of his promise to Abraham to bring blessing to all nations. It's God's fulfillment of his promise to to David to establish a kingdom that would rule forever. See Psalm two sums up the whole message of the Bible. God is crowned a king, his name is Jesus and his kingdom will have no end. This is the beautiful truth about God. The Psalms teach us about God, but most importantly, they teach us how to respond to God. They teach us that God is in control and that he rules through his king, but we must respond to him, verses 10 through 12. Now, therefore, speaking to the nations, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling, kiss the sun lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. When I say submit your life to to Jesus, when when I say surrender to him, it's it's, it's not a a dry submission, a dry surrender. It's, It's a recognition that he's worthy of our service. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our devotion. We give him our life the, the king in Psalm 2, I say King Jesus, when we read the Psalms, we must be reminded that the Psalms of the Old Testament were a favorite of Jesus as well as the New Testament authors in the New Testament. The, the king of Psalm 2 is no, no one else but the King Jesus Christ. He's the one that fulfills the promises to Abraham and to David. He's the one through whom God reigns over all nations. Jesus is King, and because of who He is, and because of what He's done, we surrender, we submit our life to Him. That's the message. That's the message. Submit to Jesus. But here's the here's the thing: if you if you don't have a personal relationship with God, Psalm one and two, this introduction to the Psalms, it is telling you the key to understanding all that's to follow. It's telling you the key to life, that in God's word, he's revealed the truth about his son. Don't rage against him. Don't run away from him, but come and submit to him. Come and submit to the king who who had everything but laid down his life for you. Come and submit to the king who, who knows everything about you. Let that sink in, and yet still loves you. Jesus is the king who rules, but he's the king who rules through dying in our place for our sins and rising from the dead. And if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I want you to know today that if God is, is pulling on your heart, is saying, you need me. I'm the answer that you're looking for. The Bible would, would lead, us to, to, lead you to do this. It would lead you to repent, to acknowledge your sin before God, that you know you've gone your own way. You know you've sinned against him and broken his commands. And then it would call you to believe, to put your trust in Jesus alone for your salvation. Would you do that today if you don't have a relationship with him? Would you, would you submit your life to Jesus? Would you kiss the son in joyful worship, acknowledging him as your Lord and as your savior? Come to him today. He won't cast you out. And if you do that or you have questions about that, please text your name to the number that's on the screen so that we can talk with you about that. We would love nothing more than to see or to hear of you putting your trust in Jesus or to help you come to that decision today. But as we think about what this means in our lives as believers, when I say submit your life to Jesus, you're like, well, duh, I'm a Christian. I've I've done that. I, I think the struggle is that we need to see this as something we have to do every day. You see, Psalm 2 is giving us this picture of how it all ends. The end of the story is that Jesus wins Jesus reigns in the end. So what does that mean for me and you today? Well, it means that we have to continually, day by day, just as we meditate on the law day and night, we daily surrender and submit our lives to Jesus. C.S. Lewis said that relying on God has to begin all over again, every day, as if nothing had yet been done. That's the kind of submitting and relying and trusting that we need to do daily in our relationship with Jesus. We we need to to surrender to him. And and, and I think as I I examine my own life and I think about where I've been, I I was joking, I shared with Emily as I was preparing this, I feel like I've been moody this whole week uh, as I've tried to process and wrestle with uh, emotions and thinking about the Psalms and um, and and I, I think in many ways, uh, the struggle for me and the monotony and the, the way each day looks the same uh, is it's easy to, uh, to, to maybe uh, be in God's word, but not allow that to sink in uh, to my daily life. It's easy to, to know what I need to do. Um, but a lot harder to, to make the decision to submit to him day by day. I, I know that I need to be watching less news, but I seem to keep watching. I, I know that I need to, to take in a little less content on social media, and yet I keep scrolling. I, I know that I need to just be quiet and be with God, and yet it's easy to busy myself with something else. It's easy to know that I need to submit to Jesus today, but, but I fill my mind with other things. We, we need to daily meditate on God's word and daily surrender to Jesus and the reason when we think about our emotions and why surrendering to Jesus daily is so foundational you see it's it's sometimes in really hard moments that we need to know and be reminded that Jesus reigns and we're going to make it through but we also need to know and sometimes our emotions are leading us in in good direction in a good direction that honors God that's healthy We need to know that because Jesus reigns, we need to respond right now in the way that God's leading us. We need to persevere in taking action in light of what God's doing in us. It's not just that uh, recognizing that we need to submit to Jesus keeps us from sinning in our emotions, but it also leads us to rightly engage our emotions in a way that honors God. See, as we talk about anger and we talk about grief and we talk about loneliness and we talk about hurt and and we we talk about grief and we talk about shame and we even talk about joy and all of these different emotions, all of them, we, we have to continually, day by day, allow God's word to shape how we think and feel and allow a surrender to Jesus, a submission to Jesus to permeate our hearts so that we feel in a way that honors God. That's the journey that we're going to be on in these coming weeks. But if we're going to be spiritually mature, we can't be satisfied being emotionally unhealthy. We, we need some foundations before we set out on this journey looking at how the Psalms help us to respond to God in the language of, of poetry, in the language of our emotion, in the language of God, how we respond and think rightly about him. And so as, as we take this journey together, that foundation that we must uh, continually practice day by day is a meditating on God's word and a submitting our lives to Jesus. Let's journey together uh, as we become emotionally healthy and spiritually mature. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. I do thank you for your word, your word that meets us, um, God, right where we're at. Right now in this moment, I, I feel more uh, in my own heart that, that I just need to, to hear from you. I, I need to be trained to respond to you rightly through the Psalms. God, I, I, I need my mind to think rightly about you. I need my heart to feel rightly about you, about myself, about circumstances, about life. God, we, we need you. We need to to listen to other voices less and listen to your voice more. We we need to see you in the midst of our, uh, our everyday emotions, the ones that seem to trip us up and lead us in unhealthy directions, as well as those that are pushing us towards you or pushing us deeper into relationships. God, help us to meditate on your word in a way that would lead us to engage you and respond to you. God, allow us to submit ourselves to you Submit ourselves to you for the first time in saving faith. As well as daily relying on you as if we hadn't done it the day before. God, you've given us these things called emotions and feelings to live fully. in this, this place that's often full of tragedy and wonder and full of joys and losses. God, help us to live fully as we think and feel with you.